0: welcome back to ASD, A New Perspective, the podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child. And we encourage you that growth is possible. Now, each week we offer the latest in autism research along with other information to help you make informed decisions about treatment options so you can create a better quality of life for your family. I'm your host, Kat Lee, and in today's show... We know as parents that something happens to our babies, but what goes wrong? When does it happen? In Parts 1 through 4 of our podcast series, Dr. Steve Gutstein discussed the studies of the development of typical infants as compared to those who would be diagnosed with ASD. And we discussed that with typical infants, we see growth seeking and we see parents growth promoting and in typical development. It comes together in a very nice, mutually supportive relationship. Then Dr. Gusting discussed what happens with infants diagnosed with ASD, the lack of growth seeking, and how that affects both the children and their parents. In today's show, Dr. Gustin continues this series with a conversation concerning what happens to the infants and their parents as they are deprived of the guiding relationship and why this is a loss both for parents and their children. Dr. Gutstein continues.
1: Remember what guiding means. Guiding means there's some energy, there's some action, there's some enthusiasm that you're trying to shape and move in a way that's productive. But, you know, like my rocket launch, how do you guide, how how does a guidance system work if the rocket's perpetually on the launch pad, never takes off? You can't. And I think this is a very critical thing for parents to help parents understand why they haven't been successful. Right, because the natural function of parents is to guide this energy, this growth-seeking energy that's coming from their kids, and to try to guide it and channel it, limit it sometimes, right? Promote it sometimes, you know, scaffold it sometimes, modify it, elaborate it, <laughs> control it. That's what guiding is. But if the energy is not there, there's nothing to guide, and so the infants are forming expectations of engaging with novelty and congruity. Uncertainty is going to be catastrophic, and they try to limit their transactions with the world, right? And if you're a parent, your your growth promoting efforts are perceived by the same actions you would take, and this is important for parents to understand. That would be perceived by typically developing infants, and and that would be supported by them, are experienced by ASD infants as disruptive and threatening. Problem. Another problem, and researchers have actually found this, is that because the asd infant is not supplying the parent with anything to guide you have to become directive you have to become abnormal in your type in your attempt at guiding by prompting by cueing by initiating more unfortunately and this is the paradox the more you try to direct the more you try to get something to happen the more you're reinforcing their your passivity But on the other hand, if you stop trying, you still get nothing. So parents are really feeling in a no-win situation, right? So if you're a typically developing parent, right, you are assured of your child's attention and their enthusiasm, so you're focusing on, you know, guiding that, using that growth. You don't have to worry about it. They're engaging with you. They're coming to you. They're finding you. They're attending to you. They want you in there, right? And so you're focusing on actually guiding. If you're a parent of an ASD infant, you have to struggle just to get their attention and to maintain it for a brief time. So your whole, your whole orientation, your mindset is, becomes completely different. And then your way of trying to promote growth becomes very abnormal, abnormal for you. It's not the way you would intuitively do this. It's not the way you started out doing it as a parent. You become influenced by that infant. And so you know that's when we talk about a mutual negative influence process. Right is the parents, and research shows becomes become negatively influenced by the passivity and the lack of growth seeking of their infant. So what you're not getting is any of these wonderful opportunities that your typically developing infants give you, and I, I really think it hits home when you see this. They're not experience sharing they're not interested in co-participating, they're not socially referencing, they're not observing, they're not exploring and experimenting in any meaningful way, they're not practicing for mastery. These are the ways that you would guide, these are the opportunities you're given by your typically developing infants to function as a guide, plus they're letting you in on that, and you're not getting any of that if you're a parent of an ASD infant. These are all autism researchers, many more quotes, but I just picked these three, uh, here's one from, and you notice how recent this is, There's one from 2013, two from 2014. You'll see more and more in just the last four or five years, this amazing concentration of work. Mothers of ASD infants are forced to spend considerable energy just obtaining their child's attention compared to mothers of typically developing infants who are sure of the infant's self-regulated interest can focus on enhancing their joint engagements. Right, so that's what we were saying before. Here's another conclusion, ASD infants limited responsivity impairs parent efforts to offer the right amount and quality of input. And finally, ASD infants provide parents with few leads to follow and weak, poorly timed signals that are easily missed. Parents are placed in a position where we must attempt to engage a relatively passive child by directing her behavior and compensating for her limited contributions, which is actually impossible to do. And I think that's the the conclusion is, it's no wonder parents feel like they're in a no-win situation here. And you might ask, well, why are parents growth promoting? Right, isn't that triggered by the child's growth seeking? And the answer is no. There really are separate things. They're somewhat connected. But if you're a parent, I want you to think about this. What else would you do? Once your child is at a certain point, you have no choice. It's sort of the only option you have is to try to promote their growth, right? You're not going to keep them just in homeostasis forever. So it it, it, it becomes activated whether your child is growth-seeking or not. And that's, you know, that's going to be inevitable because there is no option B if you're a parent. There is no other course to take. Unfortunately, it becomes very frustrating to try to promote someone's growth who isn't growth-seeking. What happens if you don't form a guiding relationship? It's incredible to think about then what the implications are if as early as the beginning of the second year of life, of course earlier, you, for the rest of your life, you do not have the benefit of a guiding relationship. And here are just some of the things you get, you're you deprived of, and there's of course, many more. i just try
0: to summarize that in one slide. And then, what what makes it worse in
1: the research, what the research documents is over by the end of the second year, for most of these kids, what begins as just stability maintaining, which is bad enough, starts to turn into active emotional and social avoidance and disengagement. And here's just a quote from the Canadian, biggest Canadian group, Swagenbaum, and their group. In the second year, poor social interest and reactivity change into aversion and avoidance. It becomes more of an active process of disengagement. And the three areas really are decreased positive affect, responsiveness, lack of motivation for engaging, co-participating, lack of concern for other's distress. So here's the disengagement studies and they start with an old one by Weatherby compared uh, developmentally disabled, typically developing two-year-olds and they showed reduced response to name, reduced sharing of interest, reduced warm and joyful expressions. Um, Another one, these are the older ones, reduced social engagement and less shared enjoyment by 12 months reduced positive affect, Clifford. Lower interest in faces, reduced gaze shifting. ASD infants, another one one, showed less spontaneous interest during unstructured play. I think that here's uh, Landis, Stewart, and Gross, and they they've been looking at different trajectories, you know but they found that by 24 months, remember, I shouldn't matter if you were earlier, or late emerging, um uh, by twenty-four months you were equally disengaged. Ozanoff, who did a nice who did a nice series of longitudinal studies from six months on, showed a progressive pattern in declining social engagement between six and 24 months. Here's an early study with young children. And they showed that a person modeling distress, young typically developing and developmentally disabled children paid attention. All of them did, but less than half of the ASD group did. And none of them showed signs of facial concern. Huttman, 2010, very good study. Again, modeling someone in distress, and showed that the future ASD children paid less attention and showed less emotional response at every time point from 12 to 36 months. So they concluded that the emotional value of information, and they had their mothers do this, which made it even more powerful, so their mother's distress appeared to be less salient for infants when they with autism. McDonald and Messenger, their toddlers showed less concern and arousal, response to their own distressed parent, and finally, Campbell, a recent study in 22-month toddlers showed very limited empathic concern in response to a crying infant, which is not that big a deal, as well, which more important, adult pertaining to her finger really showed less react- much less reactivity. And then finally, lack of desire for co-participation. Um, Lauren Adamson and their group um, compared developmentally disabled, typically developing peers uh, with 30 months with ASD kids, and they found that the other children, of course, improved in that, in the frequency and their ability to do it, in coordinating, and the ASD children failed to improve. And make the point of autism, but not Down syndrome, selectively disrupts joint engagement. Young children with ASD rarely enter and sustain states of coordinated joint engagement, even when interacting, even when their caregivers are very responsive. They just don't choose to get involved. Right. And here's another one about play, looking at pretend play and they showed that the ASD kids showed significantly fewer other-directed play behaviors, and the conclusion of this group was that uh, ASD children may not understand people as potential recipients of a play action, but that was interesting. Uh, Richmond, this is Elisa Richmond, who did a dissertation where she actually spent a lot of time in the homes of ASD toddlers and their parents comparing to typically developing toddlers, and they found that the ASD toddlers spent the vast majority of their time, almost all on solo activities with objects, and almost never participated in joint engagement, despite the parents being available, the parents are willing, and the conclusion was they focused on solitary object manipulation instead of sharing experiences with their mothers. And then a final study that was just done there, they were able to show they understand others' intentions, You have the social interest to learn or share intentions. So it wasn't a matter of skill. It was a matter of motivation. So what happens is they wind up, traveling on a very impoverished and normal pathway of development. And again, there's lots of people, lots of the experts have said that. And without, you know, here's Mundy and Thorpe, without adequate early social input, the neurological behavioral development of the child will be deflected further and further from the normal path. Rosga, unlike their typically developing peers, the ASD infants fail to enter interactions that allow them to learn from and through others, nice quote, chronic and vaguely lack of opportunities for dyadic meaning-making with your guide leads to altered brain development, compromised social-emotional functioning, and stunted mental growth. Due to their poor response to parental initiation, children with autism are a significant disadvantage. I would say due to their poor um, initiation and growth-seeking that that makes parents have to initiate. (laughs) That would be my thing, you know, to have to do so much initiation. So anyway, I want you to think about how this gives you a new perspective, and I think it does. It helps us to redefine what autism is. So I want to read this to you. Due to their inborn vulnerabilities, which could be very diverse but have the same impact, future ASD infants are unable to take advantage of critical opportunities for mental, self, and neural growth. So it's the inability to take advantage of growth opportunities that that unifies every child, every child that has ASD. Amidst that diversity, that's the one major thing they have in common, is they all are unable to access that guiding relationship. So even though they're born with a diverse profile of vulnerabilities that differs from infant to infant, the combined effect is a common consequence. right? What that consequence is is it leaves the future infants, the ASD infants, unable to take advantage of the growth-promoting potential, the enormous potential of their parents and family members in the guiding relationship. And without a guiding relationship, their development becomes impoverished, abnormal, growth-limiting. So you want to think about what what it means to have ASD as a child or a teenager or an adult. Think about whether what you're seeing is something about... ASD or something that has to do with missing out on all the opportunities for development that typically developing children have from the first year onward and what it looks like if you don't have to do it. and it redefines autism you see so when you rather than think about core deficits of autism or this is what autism looks like maybe we need to say this is what it looks like when you are unable to access a guiding relationship this is how important Regarding guiding relationship is
0: thank you so much Dr. Gutstein and thank you for joining us for ASD A New Perspective the podcast where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child and join us in the continued journey as we encourage you that growth is possible I'm your host Kat Lee see you next time